Mindfulness Mode 332. You're lightning. And when you strike, you divide the universe into two, the ones who love you and the ones who loathe you. Hey, everybody, reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness today on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Yes, I'm excited to be here. I'm uh, sitting here recording episodes today, and I just finished recording an amazing episode with a guy from the UK who is an educator. He goes into schools and he helps little children with mindfulness. And speaking of that, if you haven't heard my last episode, then you know it's a great episode about education as well. 331. It's called Become an Empowered Educator with Jen Molitor. And Jen is a teacher and she decided that educators needed more help to be better leaders and she wanted to bring more levels of mindfulness into education instead of just thinking about it she decided to do something so she created liftupleaders.com and she gets out there and she helps teachers she helps leaders she helps them understand how to become empowered I think you'll really enjoy the interview, mindfulnessmode.com slash 331 that I did with Jen. So check it out if you have an opportunity. One of the things she said is, she said, let's spread the message that powerful teaching is done through the heart. Start there. And as if by magic, the mind also opens to learning. I totally agree with Jen on that one. Oh, hey, I want to give a shout out to Karen and Robin. I met up with them yesterday. From They're from Vancouver. They flew in here and uh, we had a little get together. It was so nice to see you, Karen, and to meet you, Robin. They live in Vancouver and do amazing things, including uh, Robin is passionate about NHL and she has a, a YouTube channel called NHL Snacks. Check it out if you love hockey because it's it's, it's really great. NHL snacks. Anyway, as I record this, you might be able to hear the rain and a few birds singing outside. It's that kind of day today. And it's exciting to be here in my studio and talk to you, Mindful Tribe. Wherever you are, all over the world, here I am in London, Ontario, Canada, sitting here in my studio. It feels great to be here and to know that I can share my message of mindfulness with the world and to have the opportunity to coach so many people. So if you are a person who, you know, you'd like to bring a little more mindfulness into your life, maybe you're not sure about it, you're not sure how to meditate, reach out to me. Send me a message like so many people have bruce at mindfulnessmode.com i just received a message yesterday from uh where did i put it i have it sitting right here oh yeah from david he's in the u.s i think in the new jersey area he said my day would not feel the same without listening to mindfulness mode keep up the great work and he also went on and asked about my coaching and if I could help him out with getting focused in his business. And the answer absolutely is yes. So if you're thinking the same thing, I do have two openings. 
which is rare because I'm usually filled right up with coaching clients. I do have two openings if you want to reach out, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. And speaking of reaching out, the woman that I'm interviewing today, Virginia, she reached out to me and she is that mega connector kind of person that she just connects people all over the world and it's it's unbelievable she was connecting me with people before i really truly knew who she was and then at the last new media summit where i was speaking in san diego I met her, got to sit down with her for quite a while and talk, and she gave me all kinds of insight into her view of mindfulness. And it was great to talk with Virginia. It truly was. And now you get to sit down and hear Virginia and I having a conversation. So I think you'll enjoy, she's a master connector. I think you'll enjoy this episode today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Virginia Mooskies. Hey, Virginia, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. I just did my my breathing thing. You know, I got my cool. I got my prana on. So awesome. I'm, I'm feeling. I am. I'm feeling kind of mindful. That is very cool. Well, that's great. Well, Virginia Mooskies is known as the referral diva. She's an executive director with Business Network International, which you might know better as BNI, BNI Networking, you know, breakfast meetings, you've heard about this thing. Well, she's on that uh, exec, she's an executive director with BNI, and she's the chief connections officer with Master Connections, Inc., and the host of the Passion Plus Purpose Equals Impact podcast. She's well known for her ability to connect the people she meets with people they need to know. And I can tell you firsthand that she's done that with me. She's helped me out a lot. Virginia is on a mission to help solo business owners connect to their purpose and their passion so they can build businesses that fund their dreams and have massive impact on the community where they live and serve and all this seems to come so naturally for for you virginia like is this a natural thing oh but before we get into that i don't want to jump ahead tell us what (laughs) mindfulness means to you virginia i this is an interest that's a that's such a good question and i um here's the thing i i heard this one time and this is the metaphor that i use all the time i am the sky not the clouds So I think mindfulness is really being aware that we're outside of our emotions and we're outside of what happens to us and that at any given time, we have the privilege and the possibility of accessing this other sense of consciousness where we can become observers of what's happening and observers of our responses and reactions to it. And for me, mindfulness then is the curiosity path of, wow, that's an interesting response to this situation that somebody else might find totally neutral, right? I'm just going like bat nuts. Um, It's triggered me in some way. And then being able to kind of go down that path and explore where all that came from. So mindfulness for me is really, it's really that. And when you were eight years old, tell us what a day in your life looked like. I can only imagine you as an eight-year-old kid, Virginia. Okay, this is a great story. So um, when I was eight years old, Uh I was in third grade in Mrs. Uh Rudy's third grade class. Um, And I was so talkative 
that I got my very own table in the back uh-huh. of the room. It was a big round table. And I was allowed to take um, three times, three X, because I was been an overachiever, three X the number of allotted books out of the library. Because my mother, when they complained to my mother, who's a very quiet, patient, very staid lady, and they said, your daughter talks too much and it's disruptive. And my mother with her little June Cleaver handbag said, well, perhaps if you weren't so boring and you could stimulate that fine mind of hers, she could <laughs> control her little mouth. Figure that out. <laughs> and my mother left because there was also a roll of duct tape on the table. And if I were talking too much, Mrs. Rudy would say, and what do we do with the duct tape? <laughs> and I would take a piece of duct tape and put it on my little mouth. And read a book. That was a day in the life of Virginia. I spent most of my days with duct tape on my mouth reading books in Mrs. Rudy's second grade class. But oh my gosh. I was also fairly friendless and really kind of lonely. Oh, were you? Even yeah. though you talked so much, you didn't connect as much as you did later in your life. Yeah, I, I was definitely, I was kind of bullied and my brain power, like this constant this thing that I harness for good and for money making these days, it's just the constant spinning and constantly being smart and constantly knowing more than everyone didn't play well with my peers when I was little. Um, so I spent a lot, yeah, I read a lot of books, which only made the problem worse, right? Cause I'm like reading all these books and I'm getting smarter. <laughs> and the smarter right. I get, the more they don't like me. It was, it was really kind of bizarre. It was a bizarre. And when did, when did things start to change for you, Virginia? <laughs> when I was 46. <laughs> oh, that was quite a long wait. <laughs> so you didn't have very many friends until you were 46. You didn't connect with other people that much until no. you were 46. You just sat around with duct tape on your mouth. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was pretty much, a, I was a Betty Bossy pants and, you know, I was a control freak and I had opinions for everything and I still do. I just don't voice them. And, um, and uh, yeah, I really didn't, um, I really didn't understand how to let go of all of the protective gear that we put on as we, you know, as we grow and people hurt us, we just start putting on protective gear. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of wish I had like some sort of an energetic photo so I could have seen like how many like football uniforms and like, you know, what do they call them? Chain mail armor. And like, I I would love to have seen sort of what that looked like energetically um, if there was some sort of a scan for that. But yeah, I was about 46 or 47 years old and, um, had just uh, finished my big $2.5 million all by referral thing that I was so proud of, but I was just miserable. I was, I was miserable in my relationships, my kids, my youngest daughter was just really, that was just miserable. And, um, and I just, I didn't know what to do. And I ended up meeting, um, Callan Rush and I did her programs and went to her mesmerize your audience. And, you know, they often say, like, what does it say? He, he, who, he, who dies unto himself shall live. And, right. um, I just had a cathartic experience there that, uh, I won't take the time to describe unless you ask, but I came out on the other end of it completely, um, completely devoid of any need for any of that protective stuff that I took with me. So I sort of like took off all the armor and I left it in Vancouver and came home. 
Wow. So tell us more about that cathartic experience. You want to know, all right. I do. Um, I do want to know. It was really strange. So um, I'm a doer and an achiever and I, I get things done and we're, we're doing this, this segment and uh, part of the segment is you have to stand up and sort of receive, like open, receive feedback. And the feedback that was coming my way was not kind. And I felt again, you know, I started to have all those. Now I look back and I go, oh, those were those little middle school feelings and those little elementary school feelings. And but they mm -hmm. just came on and came on. And the weirdest thing was Justin Livingston said, can I try something with you? And I go, yeah, he said he so he asked permission to lay hands on me and he sort of tucked my chin back and then like like expanded up my rib cage. So I had a like a wider side body. Mm -hmm. Right. And I am, I start screaming, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And Justin's like, it doesn't hurt, Virginia. Like there's nothing physically hurting you. And all I could do was say, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And the next thing you know, I cried for like 12 hours and they just took shifts and sat in these Adirondack chairs next to me while I just, they're like, can you talk? And I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, okay, she still can't talk. Somebody else needs to come over here. Wow. And they all just sat with me. And then that night I had an atypical migraine, which mimicked a stroke. Okay. So they were a little concerned with me because we were up on a mountain and there was nobody there. Well, that night it was like, oh, it was healer fest, Bruce. They were anointing me with oils and reikiing me. And I mean, it was like total healer fest. And I didn't believe in any of that was real. I, I was just like you. I always thought that that was just the biggest bunch of crap. And, but mm -hmm. there they were. And I, um, the whole left side of my body, I couldn't move. And I was just in, in absolute agony pain. And the next morning I woke up and, uh, Patricia Ann Starr, my roommate wrote on a piece of paper, we were all in silence. And she wrote on a piece of paper, what was that? And my response, I wish I had it with me. I would read it to you. But my response was 80 words, self-loathing, mm -hmm. self-definitions on the paper, everything from, you know, hateful, um, abandoned. Um, I was, I was raped and I was, so I was like victim and I had all these like, like just really, when I look at them, I, I can't even, I don't even know what that is anymore. Like now to look at it. And so I handed it to her and she nodded her head like, Oh, well that makes, that makes sense. And then she wrote all of the opposite words down the page of what that would look like. And I was like, right. Oh yeah, no, none of that. I'm not any of, I'm not beautiful and smart and funny and creative and special and loved and beloved. And I'm none of those things. I'm all this nasty stuff. And, um, so she just made me take the paper, which I still have. It's in my bed. It's in my bedside drawer. Um, and uh, then we did this trance dance experience. I don't know if you know who Wilbert Alex is. No, I don't. Um, so it's um, he'd be an interesting guest for you. He's a he's a a, a shaman um, out of the okay. voodoo tradition, and um, yeah. he is a human humanistic psychologist, and. Uh -huh. um, his what he talks about is like some people can't meditate so you can't get them to to stasis neutral stasis by calming them down you have to short circuit them and okay. it's typically people like me that are like really high strung and so we did this trance dance you get blindfolded you dance around it's a tribal thing um he's got 12 different journeys i don't know which one of the journey i think we did the mother earth journey or something and um the first 12 people went and we like 
held space, which really meant make sure nobody whacks anybody in the head. And then mm-hmm. it was my turn to do it. And um, and so when I when I danced, I thought, oh, this is going to be really ugly because um, because of all this stuff that I was carrying and I was going to not do it. But then I was like, man, I paid a lot of money to be on this mountain. So I'm just going to play. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, like you don't go. And, and and, you know, if you've done any sort of workshops or anything and you've hosted like the one thing that makes you the most the, the most challenged as a workshop leader is when someone won't play in the space, when they're too afraid or they're too yes. contained or whatever it is. So I was right. terrified, but I was just like, look, I do stuff scared all the time. So I'm just going to do this. Well, I had a transcendent joy journey. So while other people were like rolling on the floor and screaming and everything, I was laughing and it felt like sunshine and butterflies and like running through fields. And it, it was delightful. And like when I woke up, um, there was a witnessing thing and I'd never had anybody see me for that long ever. It was like 20 minutes. And, um, and, being seen at that level was very confusing for me. There was a lot of, you know, confusion about like love and sex. It was like a lot of stuff, but what Mm -hmm. happened, what came out of it was just this real sense of, of having shed um, all the armor, which allowed me to experience this transcendent joy in this moment. And I never wanted to feel anything else ever again. I just, I just wanted to live in that feeling Um, and then once I got, once I felt that it's not that I feel like that all the time, but because I've been there, I can go there and I can, and it's a practice, right. Of, Mm -hmm. of, of moving towards that every day and becoming more of that. So a lot of, when you talk about like the energy and you know, how crazy I am and, and, and that, that's just part of me, like really playing. And it's, it's really that little girl that didn't play because she was reading books with duct tape on her mouth and no one would play with her. So now I just play and I'm like, look, play, play with me. Don't play with me. I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy my life. Um, you and surrendered. came out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, the, so, that's the long so that event, sort of it. W- when you went to that event in Vancouver with Justin Livingston and, uh, uh, Callan Rush, did you already know them or was this kind of like, oh, I'm just going to this event? I, um, I had opened up a, a coaching practice. I bought a franchise that doesn't exist anymore. Like that franchise has closed down. Um, and I could not sell my way out of a paper bag. I had left a six, a very lucrative, like, uh, you know, 175, $180,000 a year job, which was very cushy. Um, I don't live an opulent lifestyle. So there was just ample, like it was like rolling in cash everywhere we went. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I left it because I was just burnt out and I just, I didn't love what I was doing. And, um, so I opened this company and I made $1,200 in my first nine months. And, um, I happened to go to an e-women network meeting and Callan Rush was there and she did her, you know, three massive mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Get up, go to the back of the room, got up, went to the back of the room. And I was like, do not cash this check, but I'm, I'm coming, I'm going to do it, but do not cash this check. Cause I don't have any money. And Callan called me and she said, listen, I really don't want you to cancel this because I really, really have a sense that you and I are going to be friends and I I really want you to be successful. So I'm going to coach you privately so that you make the money to be able to, so we can cash this check so you can come. And so she coached me. I did exactly what she said. After three coaching sessions, I made, um, it's like, I thought it's 597. Oh, probably like $7,500. 
Okay. Okay. So I was like, yeah. okay, well, I called her. I was like, hey, I just collected seven, five, $707,000. So like cash the check. Right. And that gave me enough money to go to Vancouver and, and all that. Right. And then of course, you know how the spiral model works, right? Like you get to them, they're like, yeah. yay, now you have this thing. But if you really want to be successful, you need these other things to so get up, go of to the course. back of the room. And I was like, yeah. I went back and I was like, hi. And she goes, I know, don't cash this check. I go, don't cash the check until I take this stuff home and I use it and I make the money. So right. I went, I went home. That was November. The, the magnetized your audience was in November, um, in mid February, like February 12, 13, 14, something like that. I hosted my first workshop. I hired a video guy. He videotaped it. I made DVDs and I sold enough to go. So, Hey, Callan, I sold enough. I can, (laughs) you can cash the check. So, um, so that was like, it was the workshop we're discussing right now is June. It was June of 2000, maybe 14. Okay. And, um, and it was the second workshop. So I knew them, I knew Callan, I knew of Justin, um, but I, I knew Callan fairly well. And because I had spent magnetized with her and just because she and I, um, for whatever reason have, we just, we just, um, we really dug each other from just from onset. Um, Mm -hmm. and we, you know, it's not like we talk on the phone or we're like in each other's business or whatever, but we just genuinely have kind of soul love for each other. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. What an, what an incredible story. You've had a major transition. That's for yeah. sure. I, I, yeah. I, I tell Callan and Justin quite often that, you know, you have these markers in your life. Well, one of my markers in my life is before Callan and after Callan. It's, a, it's just uh, a definitive moment that she opened up this gateway for right. um, for these these opportunities. And there are some other interesting people there, like Carol Friesen, who is a somatic psychologist, and she can read your body and tell you your life story, which I thought was completely fascinating. Um, and so it was just all very, um, yeah, it was all very nifty, I think, for me, and, and really, um, really quite interesting to be able to do all of the all of the things that um, that I've been able to do, but it's, it's largely been because of, um, yeah, it's just really just letting go of the need to protect my own heart because my heart is whole regardless of what's going on around me and who likes it and who doesn't. Um, I have a friend who called the other day called me lightning. He said, you're lightning. And when you strike, you divide the universe into two, the ones who love you and the ones who loathe you. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny it was, yeah you know so I, I i laughingly call him call him um my lightning tamer i'm like all right mr lightning tamer so it's pretty funny well you you talked about some of the hard times tough times you had as a kid and then later i always ask a question about bullying and i want to know if you have a specific story now it can be in adulthood or otherwise where mindfulness would have made a difference if you had known how to deal with it differently so i will i'll tell you a story because it does have the it has the if i had known how to deal with it different because i actually was able to like I had a similar situation. So I was 12 years old, um, 11 or 12, and it was in fifth grade. And I was invited to Dana Mioli's birthday party. And I felt like, oh my God, I'd made it. Like Dana Miola was going to have me over to her house and I was going to get to go to the party and everything. Well, what I didn't know was I was the entertainment, right? Like uh-huh. I was, okay. I, I, if, if you've ever, if, if all y'all have ever seen the movie Mean Girls, like I was the entertainment. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And so after all the parents went to bed, it probably was 11 or 12 o'clock at night. 
the girls, um, they were all doing that thing where you lay down and you do light as a feather, stiff as a board and lift with two fingers. Well, they got me to lay down, but instead of doing light as a feather, stiff as a board, they held me down. They smeared me in green jello and they shoved me in a closet and that's where I slept. Um, Mm. I had pounded on the door. I begged for them to let me, let me out. And, um, I, they didn't let me out until the morning. And, and then, um, I have I can't even remember really what happened because I'm sure that Mrs. Miola was horrified and talked to my mother and whatever. I don't remember. I just sort of like that moment is like sticky and in the dark and and laughing and you know that was just like it's so wow it's like so present for me and how cruel and ucky that was. So flash forward a couple of years ago, um, I had a situation where a um, someone who I had considered to be a very dear friend had invited me to drive about 90 minutes from my house and go to a party. And mm-hmm. while we were at the party, um, there were a lot of elements about this party that um, really spoke to not being considered there. Um, I have food allergies and she didn't, I didn't expect them to have, it was her, it was a family member's party. I didn't expect them to have special food for me, but you know, you, I would say to you, Bruce, you know, this party, they're going to have like, uh, fried hearts and chicken livers. And if you don't eat that stuff, you know, you might want to bring some hummus or, you know, like I would tell right, you sure. that what we're going to eat is not going to be what you can consume. Yes. Right. So no heads up, no nothing. I was starving. Um, it was out in the middle of the boondoggle. There was like the closest McDonald's was 45 minutes in some other direction that I had passed, which I would have stopped by and gotten some fries if I had known. And then mm-hmm. that night, my friend, um, every time I sat down to try to talk to her, she would get up and be like, oh, I have to go blah, 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 blah. So I, I didn't know anybody there. No one really paid attention to me. And the one person I knew who had invited me to be her plus one because she didn't want to be there by herself was just being, I mean, I'm sorry. She was just being a bitch. She was just being awful. And, um, and I was starting to feel that green jello thing again. Mm. And as it welled up, because now I observe my emotions, I was like, wow, this is like, like, this is a really weird emotion kind of thing that's stirring up. So I went in the bathroom and I had this talking to, and I was like, listen, you are not 12. Mm -hmm. You are a grown up woman and you have car keys and you can leave anytime you want you do not have to stay here you are capable of going and finding people who will talk to you like you are not this person you are not stuck you can you have choices so exercise your free will and make a decision and so I um, took off my costume and I, I like, you know, put on my, my street clothes and um, said my goodbyes. And my friend said, oh, I thought you were going to stay. We were going to have a little slumber party or whatever. I was like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm really tired and I have a headache. So I'm just I'm sorry, sweetie. I'm going to go. Like I was totally like, OK, mm-hmm. she can behave how she wants. Um, the follow up to that was her sort of bullying me and saying, you know, I don't appreciate all the drama and whatever. And I, I won't say the unkind thing that I said back but it was a big long thing. And I said, Oh, right. That never happened. Like what I was going to say and what you deserved for me to say to you, Mm. I didn't say it because it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to say to her. It's what I wanted to say to them back Mm -hmm. those 12 year old girls, right? Those girls is who I wanted to say it to. I I didn't necessarily need to say it to my friend because we're grownups and I had a way out. So I just left it at that. And unfortunately I've said, you know, I set a boundary and I said, listen, this is just not how I want to be treated. So as long as this is how you treat people, then I'm kind of off the roller coaster and out the theme park. So interestingly enough, like, yes, mindfulness definitely, um, definitely played a role in, 
in understanding what it felt like to be bullied and had, you know, gosh, had I had more skills, I probably wouldn't have been bullied, Bruce. I mean, I just didn't have any relational skills. Right. I I didn't have them. So what was I going to, you know? And that's incredible because now you have these way over the top relational skills. Like you're always introducing people and you're always connect. It seems like you're always connecting with mm-hmm. people. And, and, you know, I've met you a couple of times and you're just like right there outgoing and friendly. And, and so it's like a complete flip that you've done. I think I've always been kind of outgoing and friendly, but I've been, it, it's been outgoing and friendly in a, in a, in a, um, kind of a scarcity needy kind of way like I really need a friend it's like it's not it's just mm. not really all that appealing or sexy when you're desperate you know and I think now mm. I just have so much to give and I and I love people and I I believe um love first right that people deserve love first and we can talk about your behaviors and you know your yeah. behaviors might not be behaviors that I prefer but they might there might be a whole bunch of people that really don't care you know so there I don't know sure. people who burp and if you're a person who thinks that burping in public is rude, then just don't hang out with people who burp in public and be like, dude, if you're going to burp in public, then I'm not going to hang out with you. And that's okay. As, mm-hmm. You know, so kind of just being okay with that dichotomy that not everybody, I'm not going to like every behavior and I get to decide what I have more of and less of in my life. And I don't have to be, I don't have to make you bad because something is not a preference for me. Right. Right. So, what have you learned about mindfulness from your children? Hmm. So I have two girls. Um, my oldest daughter is, it's interesting. Um, when we're together, I, I experience mindfulness, but it's not a cognitive thing. Like she and I are very symbiotic. We always have been like, since she was born, there's like, it's almost like she's a twin flame and that, that cord, if we were in Reiki, like, you know, the cord is there and, but it's positive and it's good. And it's very, um, it's very nourishing. My, um, my youngest daughter, um, my youngest daughter is, um, boy, if I'm lightning, man, she's a tsunami. She's just like, she's just a, like a big, you know, water, air, like storm. Um, and I think what she's taught me about mindfulness is that every, every day it's my job to handle me and I don't need to fix anybody. And that, um, that we get to, we get to live our own experiences and our experiences inform us. And that anytime we're trying to sort of rescue other people from their behaviors that we consider to be bad behaviors, right? They could be just having fun or, you know, coping the best they can or whatever they're doing. But when we try to take them out of their experience, we we're actually kind of crippling them emotionally by trying to save people and not allowing them and just saying, Hey, I believe that as soon as you're done experiencing, whatever this is for you, you can just turn around and walk away from it. And, and she did like, she, boy, I won't, she's given me permission to share a story, but, but I don't think I'm going to do that because I think there are family members that would rather not know. Um, you know, but she's made some crazy choices and done some crazy stuff. And, um, and I let her do it. And I just said, you know what? I love you. I don't love the behavior. So as long as you're doing the behaviors, you need to, you, you know, you need to stay over there and I'll come to you, but you can't come to me. And when you stop being nuts, then we can meet somewhere in the middle and we'll figure it out. So, um, I think it's just about being observant and, um, and loving the person and, and allowing them to experience by their choice. 
Right. Virginia, you introduced me to the amazing yoga girls, oh, Debbie, Debbie Siegel, Siegel yeah. and I interviewed her for my show. What does yoga mean in your life? Oh, you know, um, yoga is a place for me. It, it has a lot of functions. It originally started because my mother one day um, was not able to lift a milk carton, like a quart of uh. milk. And she had fallen. And I thought, oh, you know, um, in my 20s and 30s, I worked out because I wanted to look great. And I wanted to be mm -hmm. like the bikini babe or whatever. And, you know, I'm 53 years old right now. And, you know, I'm OK, but, you know, I'm not going to I'm not recouping those those days any anytime soon. Um, so I just kind of set this fitness goal for myself to be um, strong enough to carry a gallon of milk and stable enough to not fall over. Like that's okay. my fitness goal. Right. Yeah. And um, then I started really thinking about a lot of stuff that I had talked with Callan and Justin and, and Carol Fries. And it was all about balancing the yin and the yang and, and mm -hmm. um, really getting a little bit more of an energetic balance. And that with the energy balance came the physical balance. Right. Um, and so um, for me, it's a place to challenge myself Um to do things that I couldn't do before. I can, I can do more things with this 53 year old body that I could do with my 13 year old body or my eight year old body for that matter. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also just a place to just let it go. Like I, I've got some stuff going on and I, um, um, somebody important to me, uh, passed last Friday and, um, mm -hmm. it was just a place to let it, to leave it on the mat. So I literally can go to yoga class and just ball and be snotty and like, who are you too? And like, I, you know, it's just, you just leave it on the mat and nobody's like, Oh, look at her. She's crying. And nobody tries to fix you. And they'll be like, yeah, did you leave that on the mat? And I'm like, yeah, I left it on the mat. All right. You know? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Give me a mop. So it, it, yeah, it's a, it's really a place to just reconnect. Um, to my competitive self, to my relaxing self, to my emotional self, to my sky, myself as sky, mm -hmm. um, and just a, a place of, uh, you know, silence um, for an hour. Like you get there, you have to, oh, you have to be on time, which is a tough one for me. So you have to be on time and you have to shut up. And I don't even need duct tape. Wow. You can do it without the tape. do it without duct tape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in fact incredible. i get annoyed when i go to yoga class like the yoga class that i go to um uh, it like they're very serious about people being quiet and holding quiet space but i've gone to some other where they're like like it's it's like um you know um i don't even know what you call them society ladies and they're like oh my god and i'm, I'm like oh my gosh shut up like this is supposed to be quiet like you're talking yeah. too much so um, it has become, it's become like the quiet space for me. That's very interesting. Well, Virginia, as we move toward the end of the interview, mm -hmm. I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Right. The first one is this, who is one person, one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Person who's influenced my mindfulness. Well, that would have to be Callan Rush. That would have to be Callan. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Um... I'm no longer a reactive slave to them. I'm actually a casual observer. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Hmm. Breathing is what uh, ties the mind to clarity, I think. So I think uh, breathing is what gives me um, fo clarity, focus, and vision. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Hmm. 
Boy, I've read so, so many of them. Um, I think anything by Wayne Dyer, mm-hmm. I think is, would be, would be up there. Yeah. I think Wayne Dyer. And, and can you share an app? Which helps you to be mindful, or do you have you ever used an app to help you with that? I, I don't, but I listen to meditative music, so okay. I think yeah, it's called iTunes. <laughs> my yeah. app. So, yeah. so you just pull up different kinds of meditative music. How do you find it? Um, well, I listen to Pandora, <laughs> okay. and then um, when I like it, then I go and buy an album. Um, so I just kind of, I preview a lot of stuff on Pandora and then I use a lot of Pandora when I'm doing yoga at home. It's kind of my background music. And then when something comes up, um, probably my favorite, um, mindfulness, like music, there's a woman named Sophia, um, and her, she has a, uh, an album called Chakra Healing. And so there are seven tracks on it, each one Uh dedicated to a chakra and, uh, each chakra it's music but it's also the chant like the chant that goes for the chakra and um and then there's a song around it so um i love that and i'm i'm a big fan of nam yoho renge kyo so i i chant that a lot which i I don't know if you know what that is but um, i haven't heard of that nam yoho renge kyo is the it's a tibetan chant and it is the grounding chant um it's what ground it's what roots you to the ground and um connects you to the divine so it's a it's like a like a divining rod and um, and how do we find it nam yoho renge kyo is just you can look it up it's just a chant it's nam n-a-m um yoho y-o-h-o nam yoho renge r-e-n-g-e kyo k k-y-o Nam Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. So there's lots of, I mean, if you look it up, you'll find that lots of artists have used Nam Yoho Renge Kyo in some sort of musical form. Um, but it's a it's it's a it's a Buddhist chant. I'll put it in our show notes. Yeah. And I'll put all that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. I can't believe that I haven't uh, heard about that before. And I I might have and forgotten or something, but thank you. And I will put it in our show notes. So how can we connect with you, Virginia? You've told us such interesting things about your life and your stories. And and now you're doing coaching and connecting people. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I've got the BNI franchises. So you could find me at BNIMidAmerica.com. That's one place to, to find me. Um, my, other, uh, my other space is MasterConnectors.com. And I think one of the most important parts of being a mindful human being is acknowledging other people. And one of the things that when we're networking, most people tend to not do is follow up well. So they forget to create the relationship. And mm-hmm. so I have a uh, my faithful follow-up guide. It's at masterconnectors.com forward slash follow up. And uh, everybody can like... Um, you know, download that and have a look at the systems. It's a done for you system for uh, helping create relationship and acknowledging other people as important in your network. Awesome. So masterconnectors.com forward slash follow up. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So Mindful Tribe, yeah, check it out because Virginia, man, she has so much to offer and she's so generous in helping you to 
do what you need to do to kind of move forward. So check out masterconnectors.com and forward slash follow up because that is a valuable resource. So thanks, Virginia, for being on the show today. It's been really great. I appreciate it. And, you know, Bruce, it's 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 interesting because I, I'm a pretty heavy hitter business chicky. You know, and it was yeah. really a pleasure today to just kind of sit down and, and think about, you know, what's the backstory to the public persona? Like what happens behind the closed door that, that fuels that and um, enables enables me to be that connector. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to explore that with your listeners. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been great, Virginia. Thanks. So you take care and talk to you another time. Thank you. <laughs> OK, bye now. Bye, hon. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.